Welcome to the Daily Stoic Podcast, where each weekday we bring you a meditation inspired by the ancient Stoics, a short passage of ancient wisdom designed to help you find strength and insight here in everyday life. And on Wednesdays, we talk to some of our fellow students of ancient philosophy, well-known and obscure, fascinating and powerful. With them, we discuss the strategies and habits that have helped them become who they are and also to find peace and wisdom in their actual lives. But first, we've got a quick message from one of our sponsors. The Daily Stoic is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. One of the cool things about podcasts is that you can multitask while you're listening, but depending on what you're doing right now, like for instance, if you're not in some kind of moving vehicle, there's something else you could be doing. You could be getting an auto quote from Progressive Insurance. It's easy and you could save money by doing it right from your phone. Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save nearly $700 on average and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Discounts for having multiple vehicles on your policy, being a homeowner and more. So just like your favorite podcast, Progressive will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year. So you're protected no matter what. Multitask right now. Quote your car insurance at Progressive.com to join over 29 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $698 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Do you make others better? We talked on Monday about how Marcus Aurelius waited in the wings for 23 years before putting on the imperial purple. Marcus was no doubt an impressive ruler, but... In one sense, his reign pales in comparison to Antoninus. What made Antoninus Pius great was how great he made Marcus Aurelius, because that's what leaders do. The leadership coach, Randall Stuntman, who has worked with nearly every major hedge fund and CEO on Wall Street, has said that after two and a half decades of studying and working with the best and the brightest, he came to a simple definition of what it means to be a leader. He said, leaders make people better. That's it. Whenever you're acting with the intention of making something or someone better, Stutman says, you're leading. And as usual, Seneca got there first. Happy is the man who can make others better, he said, not merely when he is in their company, but even when he is in their thoughts. He said, nobody can live happy if he cares only for himself, if he turns everything to his own benefit. You have to live for others, he said, if you want to live for yourself. And isn't that really what Antoninus did? He took this raw recruit, this promising kid with potential, and he shaped him into the king he became. The question for you and for everyone then is, do you do this? Who are you making better? Where is your leadership being applied at work, at home, in your community? And more importantly, how are you actively working at improving this skill, this skill of making people better, investing in and working at being a better leader? Because it doesn't just happen. You have to work at it. As Marcus Aurelius writes in Meditations, people are our proper occupation. My job is to do them good, he says. Versions of this job description fill meditations. When we make others better, he writes, we perform our function. And in another spot, he talks about the actions he takes that benefit others. As we talked about the other day, leadership is a process, not a position. It's the work of a lifetime. And it's about working to get a little better today than you were yesterday. Because when you do, the people around you do as well. And that is a leader's only job. As it happens, Randall Stutman is actually one of the leadership experts we talked to in one of the weekly deep dives in the Daily Stoic Leadership Challenge, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Leadership. I'm so excited to talk to him. I can't wait to share his insights with you. 
and connect all of you with him. He's been a coach and a mentor of me over the years. I've gotten to speak to some of the hedge funds and companies he advises as a result. I'm so excited about the Daily Stoke Leadership Challenge. It's awesome. It's a nine-week course. It's super intensive. It's a cha- I'm calling it a challenge for a reason. Um, becoming a leader isn't easy, but it is something you have to invest in, you have to work on, that, 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 that is, uh, as, as Thomas Rick said, the work of our life. So I am really excited to bring this to you. You get an email every day for nine weeks. This is an intensive thing. You get videos, there's deep dives with me, office hours with me, uh, a whole bunch of great stuff. I can't wait to share this one with you. But look, registration closes for the course on Saturday, July 31st at midnight central time. That's it. You can't join it after that. This is a one-time thing. I can't wait to show you the course. I'd love to have you sign up at dailystoic.com slash leadership challenge. Hey, it's Ryan. Welcome to another episode of the Daily Stoic podcast. As you know, I am a writer. I write books. The hard part about being an author compared to being a writer is it's a hard thing to get your reps at, right? To get your 10,000 hours at. I've published more books than most people, but even so, I've only had like, you know, a dozen or so at bats. And how can you be great at something if you only get to do it one or two times in your life? Um, This also makes your sort of financial life a bit bumpy and rocky as well. So one of the things I do, I don't know if you know this about me, but I do uh, ghostwriting and I consult on book projects. I, I operate as a book producer on a lot of book projects. This is what my company Brass Check is now done for going on 10 years. We've worked on all sorts of awesome projects, some of which you've heard of, some of which we uh, leave to the author, uh, some of which we prefer to operate in the background of. Um but one of the projects that was cool enough to come my way about two years ago now was with the NBA champion, all-star Olympic gold medalist, Chris Bosch. You may have heard my interview with him a couple weeks ago, uh, where he came by the Painted Porch bookstore and we sat and talked my first in-person post-vaccine interview. Well, um, as part of the launch, I was lucky enough to work on this book with, with, with Chris. I learned a lot from him. I think we got along great. I think the book that came out of it, Letters to a Young Athlete, it's a fantastic book. Honored to have been a part of it. I think it's 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 got the the legs to go the distance. I think it's relevant if you're a coach, if you're a parent, if you're a young athlete, if you're anyone who's trying to be great at what you do. I think there's a lot you can learn from it. Just like I learned a bunch from reading Letters to a Young Jazz Musician by Winston Marsalis or Letters to a Young Poet by um, by Rilke, even though I'm not a poet or a jazz musician. I love those books of advice. And that's what I helped uh, Chris make. And I think he really delivered the goods. And and I was lucky enough to just sort of arrange it and put it all together. People really liked my episode with him from a couple weeks ago. So he and I also did an event for Barnes & Noble, uh, where I interviewed him. And then some some questions from the audience came in. I asked Barnes & Noble if I could publish it here. And they said yes. So you can listen to this bonus conversation with myself and the one and only Chris Bosch, one of the great rebounders and big men of all time, member of the great big three, him, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, two-time champion, one of the great super teams of all time. And uh, we talk about a bunch of great stuff in this interview that you will love. Uh, You can check out his book, Letters to a Young Athlete, of course, at Barnes & Noble. That's who this event was supporting. You can also check it out at my bookstore, The Painted Porch, paintedporch.com. And of course, we'll have a link uh, in the show notes. We may still have some signed copies. He signed a bunch. Uh, but anyways, I've been hearing rave things about the book. And of course, anytime I can bring uh, you access to a fascinating person like Chris Bosch, I'm going to do it. So here's my conversation with Chris. Chris, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to host this uh, for everyone who doesn't know who my uh, my guest tonight is. I'm talking to to two-time NBA champion, 11-time NBA All-Star, Olympic gold medalist, and uh, new inductee to the Basketball Hall of Fame, and author of the new book, which you see behind him and behind me here as well, Letters to a Young Athlete. Uh, we're going to talk for about 20-ish minutes, and then we're going to get to your questions, which you guys can put in the chat, and then some of you pre-wrote them in. 
but let's not waste any time. Let's just get into it. Um, my first question for you, Chris, is what is harder, writing a book or winning an NBA championship? <laughs> winning an NBA championship, for sure. Um, you know, they do, They both, of course, do present their challenges and, and trying to get this book accomplished was, you know, quite the challenge, um, you know, for unforeseen reasons, you know, things happen um, in life, but just continuing to stick with the idea and um, just continuing to go through that process. That's that's a part of it. And, um, you know, it's this funny thing with competition. It's just it's, it's something else about knowing that sometimes your best just isn't good enough and, mm -hmm. and taking that challenge and, and accepting that if you come up short of your goal. And, you know, I mean, you know, win or lose, there, there's always something to learn, right? Um, it, it's a game at the end of the day, but it's like these little mini life lessons over and over and over, you know? So yeah, the, the championship stuff, it was so much more, I, I was able to focus and um, concentrate on, on a project like this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, guess, I, I guess it's it's sort of, uh, it's complicated in that, you know, on the one hand, to win an NBA championship, you have to beat out 500 of the best people in the world at your yeah. profession, right? And so the, there's competition, which is hard. It's an obstacle, but also competition helps you rise to the level of, of competition. What's, sure. what's interesting about a book and I think sort of what you're embarking on as, as far as the journey is now is now the competitions <clears throat> with yourself, which is both harder and easier, right? No one made you do this. Sure. No, like you had to, <laughs> so it's, I, I, I was curious if you had any thoughts on sort of the difference between, you know, team, like the sort of the, what they call the finite game of sports where it's sort of very well defined and that makes it harder in some ways. Then there's life, the game of life, which is easier in that you don't have to do anything, but it's harder in that nobody is channeling you in a specific direction. Man, you hit it right on the head. I mean, those were one of the things that bothered me most in my uh, post career. Um, and, and but and, but then again, I looked at it from a approach of empathy. Like, man, at least I had basketball, right? I, I had that activity. To, you know, I had that reason to, to be motivated to, you know, get the grades necessary um, to pass my class or, you know, or to get that notoriety if you want to. It feels good when people cheer you on, you know. Um, I had, I started to have empathy for those people that don't have it. You know, I, um, <laughs> we, we've talked about this before, but I was in robotics club, uh, back in high school. And so, you know, that's a, something like that. How many kids miss out on an opportunity because, you know, they're in a robotics situation and this is their talent and there's no resources. Sure. You know, you can, in life, you can just kind of float around and nothing happens. And, you know, even for myself, I had to, I had to figure something out because I, I did not like that feeling at all. <laughs> I realized how structured my life had been and so I had to be the organizer and the person to structure my own time. That was the hard part. How are you thinking that, about that with your kids now? Have, have they have any of them read the book yet? Have you forced them to listen to to the audiobook of you reading it? How's that <laughs> no, not yet. Um, I, I each one of them have a copy, I, and you know it's funny. I haven't given given them one, but I've noticed it's a copy in their rooms. You know, in each one of their rooms. Um, it, I wouldn't force them to read it. I, they hear these, they hear me say a lot of these things and especially after consuming it over and over and over and going through it, you know, it becomes a part of your language. Yeah. And so <laughs> eventually, but I, you know, they can read, they're aspiring readers, they're excellent readers. And yeah, they do have a copy by their bed. I just, you know, I'll take my time with it. I won't, I won't push it too much. Well, that was one of the things you told me uh, as you were working on the book is that you were looking for the kind of book that could have existed when you were a young athlete. It is funny. There's so much pressure and and there's this whole system built around taking talented kids and teaching them sports and making them good at sports. But there isn't a lot of I don't want to call it moral instruction, but there's not 
there's not a lot of, we just kind of assume they're going to pick up the other lessons that come along with right. it. And, and there's not a lot of great books for young people that are talented. And, you know, you, you talk about in the book, you had this sort of moment, I think it was with Coach Bishop, where he goes, what are you going to do with this? You know, what are you going to make of this talent that you have? And I think that's yeah. a crossroads that's really important. Yeah, I mean, it really is um, because, you know, it's kind of like in the chapter in the book, Finding Your Why, right? You know, really, really having these thought-provoking conversations with yourself because, you know, that was the first time I saw the look in someone's eyes when it's like, oh, wow, he sees what I feel, what I know I think I have. Yeah. And it, it, it it wasn't a conversation about talent anymore. You know, you can take talent off of it because I remember telling him, I want to go to Division One college. That's my dream. Well, that's easy. What after that? What after that? Why are you doing it? Um, and, and you need to think about these things. And, you know, it always it always stuck with me. So, you know, those are those are the like the, the appreciations I have um, now looking back on the game, because even though I didn't know an or quite understand what he was saying at the time it stayed back there in the back of my mind I mean I remembered it to this day you know and talk about it to this day and but it is is one of those moments to where it's like yeah I remember this moment like it was yesterday you know and I feel that this is important uh for others to hear uh because it could help them um and if they're in a similar situation yeah, I was thinking about, you know, we just again, we just sort of expect kids to figure stuff out or people to figure stuff out. My favorite mm -hmm. chapter in the book is where you're talking about winning and losing. You know, when we think of your career, when we think of athletes, we think of winning. Right. Um, yeah. You know, but but the <laughs> athletes that have won the most have also lost the most most of the time. Like I was I just Googled this as we were sitting here. Bill Belichick has lost as a head coach. One hundred and sixty one games. Uh, you know, uh, like Tom Brady has lost, I think three, maybe four Super Bowls. Um, yeah, you know, hurts. it's, it, it hurts and, and, and you have to do it a lot. Like you, you, yeah. you get, you don't want to make losing a habit. And yet if you are successful, it's, uh, it, it's a given, you will have lost a lot of games too. Oh, hell yeah. I tell people all the time, I, I lost way more games in my career of basketball Oh man, you know, bless our hearts. When we were 10 years old, we were one of the worst teams in, in, in bitty basketball. We were like, there's only one team in the league we could beat. Yeah. And then, you know, then I got to middle school and ah, we were okay. Then I got, you know, to high school and then I started winning, but then I went right back down to the bottom of the totem pole in college and the NBA. And I mean, it's just a part of the process. You have to you, you have to understand what you're up against. And when you take those lumps, right, when you when you lose a game and, and, and you feel that pain, the, that's the source that has to drive you um, next time. So next time, if there's a loose ball, there's no question if I'm running it. Some people will think about it and you lose. It's not your fault. You just <laughs> you flinched. I'm going to work on not flinching next time. You know, that that was uh, and, you know, conditioning my body to really take the beating um, because it's not easy. Um, if you're trying to accomplish something great, um, you have to understand that it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to really put the work in day to day and stay consistent, you know, and especially if you say you're going to do something, you got to stick to it and, and continue on the path. Yeah. You think about a game like baseball, for instance. Like if you have a if you had your career in baseball, how many games you would have lost because they play, you know, 160 games a year plus the postseason. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like and then, yeah, you go into college and high school. And, and before that, like you really do have to I almost feel like one of the, the best skills you can <clears throat> develop when you're long, when you're young is that to be comfortable with losing, but to be able to survive losing. So that you making me think of a story um, the year after LeBron uh, left Miami and we were, you know, rebuilding, figuring this thing out. We had one of my rookies um, with name. His name was Sebastian Napier coming off of two national championships, very decorated and successful collegiate player, very good prospect, 
very great dude, good rookie. And, you know, I think it was like December and December can be a very funky month in the league. You know, you're either riding high or it's, you know, like, oh, you're fighting the boredom of just the mediocrity of just showing up, you know. So, like, you know, we're, we're struggling as a team. We, we have another loss. And, you know, as a pro, you, you eventually learn how to take those and say, okay, tomorrow, this is what we've got to work on. In an 82-game schedule, you learn how to lose. And in this instance, I mean, he was – Shabazz was down. I mean, shoulders just down. I was like, man, what's up, man? Are you okay? He said, man, we're losing. I never – I said, look, dude. It's okay. Yes, we are losing. I recognize that. But the best team in the league is going to lose almost 30 games. Every year, one of the best teams in the league, 25, you know, that's really good. So, you know, we're, you know, one, we've got work to do. I won't say we're not that good. We have yeah. work to do. <laughs> and these are the reasons. These are the things we need to work on and not identify those because if you – keep going too high and too low every single game in 82 games, it's not going to work, you know? And, and like I said, the good teams are going to lose 20 plus games. And we were not, we were working on being a good team. We were not a good team yet. No. And, and life will humble you. So I was thinking about this with, with LeBron. Uh, you're, there's a there's a great rule in writing that your last book never writes your next book, right? You always start on page one. And, mm. you know, here's a, here's a guy, here's a team coming off a championship last year that may get knocked out in the first round. And you're always, you know, not only is is it always hard to do something new, but I think the other part that is that every time you win, it gets harder because now everyone knows what you do. And I think that's true in life Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And I think you, you can see an example with the Heat this year with what they're dealing with. They're both yeah. the two teams in the finals. Yeah, quick, short turnaround while everybody – while you're competing for a championship, everybody's resting and watching you. Yes. And it just is what it is. And, and you know, whether it's by design or not, it, it's, uh, it's the rite of passage to be a champion. And, you know, LeBron knows that. Um, you know, Anthony Davis, he's finding that out. It's, it's always like another level. You know, it's like, okay, winning one is, you know, pretty hard and I remember just the commentary <laughs> when you hear the commentary was people say ah you know anybody you know anybody can do anything once <laughs> and so it's like oh we gotta get it again we have to win it again so then there's that pressure and then that's harder than the one before we're playing a better team that that's more sharp and focused and 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 you know has more veterans therefore hard it's the best team I've ever seen in my life and I don't know what to do Right. <laughs> and we had to handle those decisions on the fly. But, you know, it's there's so many different facets to the game that you have to prepare for. And, and once you're sure lucky, you're twice you're good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's and, and then even after that, guess what? It's another season. So then for us, we're like, OK, we got to go for the three feet. Ooh, Mike and Kobe and Shaq, those guys, they're another breed. Respect. Yep. I didn't understand. And then it still hurts, you know, get into the finals in 2014, you play a whole season and then you lose, you have to take it. You have to have the tools to be able to process it, but it still sucks. And then, you know, then the band broke up. <laughs> so, so speaking of the band, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on the, let's call it the big three and the new big three. What do you, what do you see similarities, differences? Are are you rooting for the big three or, or uh, do, do you, uh, do you think it's different than your big three? I'm, I'm just curious. <laughs> oh yeah. We're much different. Um, they have a different dynamic. They're incredibly explosive offensive team. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's much different. We're all different players, right? They're all, you know, you can argue that all three of them and they're excellent passes as well, but they're all ball dominant players. Right. Um, Dwayne and I, we were having a conversation the other day and he said, man, you know, I admire for how you handled that because me and LeBron, we're both ball dominant players and you had to learn how to fit in, you know. So, you know, I don't know if they're in a position where they have so much talent (laughs) that you can overcome those things that I know that are there. Yeah. You know, but 
you know, it's such an interesting position. They've only played 13 games together, you know, and it takes it takes the whole season to be able to build that continuity, that trust, trust those relationships to be able to be one on the court. You have to perform as a unit. So, you know, it's, it's fascinating uh, where they're at. It's definitely entertaining. Um, I'll be watching. <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems like I, I would define your big three with a kind of uh, humility and camaraderie and a system as, as superbly talented as all three individuals were, it was similar, more similar to like a, a Shaq and Kobe, Phil Jackson sort of unit. Yeah. Um, yeah. The heat culture. As, yeah. 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 The heat me culture as, was another element. Yeah. The, the big three in Brooklyn, I don't want to say I'm rooting against, but I, there's part of me that doesn't want it to succeed because <laughs> I feel like it'll send the wrong, the wrong message to a generation of players. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what? And, and it, it's um, it's a different generation. I'm a child of this generation, you know, the AAU generation to where, and, you know, we could <laughs> meet LeBron and Dwayne, you know, through our decisions, we kind of did some revolutionary things. And so, you know, it, not that we allowed people, but it's like, oh, wow, you can do that. Oh, I didn't know that. So that creates another um, dynamic. And then, when you mix that with, you, you know, kids coming up through the system that have been pretty much watched since they were 12 years old and they've been fed product and all of these things, which, you know, when, you know, you're growing up, you don't have any shoes. Right. Nikes are dope. Like, oh, they're sending me shoes. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, they start cultivating that stuff way back then, you know. So and then in the AAU generation, it was always swapping teams. I mean, I was I was always. I tried to stay pretty loyal, but even me, I swapped teams a few times and, you know, it was just a different dynamic and attitude. So we're dealing with that on top of the business of basketball and, and the pursuit of championships. That's what, <laughs> that's the game now. And, and, you know, people are trying to put the strongest product together year by year to try to get it done. Got a quick message from one of our sponsors here, and then we'll get right back to the show. Stay tuned. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. You could say, right, the obstacle is the way. I've always been a student of failure, of things that go wrong. It's so easy to celebrate things going right, but we can learn a lot from when it doesn't go right. Each week, David Duchovny chats with guests like Ben Stiller and Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalyst for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure. Fail better together. Fail better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, exhausting, or exhilarating, but one thing's for certain, if you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist, you'll gain insights and uncover truths you can only find in therapy. If you want some personal breakthroughs and judgment-free support, you can sign up right now for Talkspace. At Talkspace.com, you sign up online, you get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. It's incredible incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions with your licensed therapist, and you do it from the comfort of your home. There's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. And to celebrate May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering every listener of this podcast 80 bucks off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com slash stoic. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash stoic to get 80 bucks off your first month with code SPACE80. 80 and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash Stoic code space 80. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> all right, let's do our first our first audience question. We have one here from Samuel in New Jersey. I think this is a good one. He's saying, um, were there days in your career that you woke up to practice where you didn't feel like you had the right motivation? You weren't like, you know, jumping out of bed or, or, or racing out to the court and how do you overcome those sort of like <laughs> meh days? Because I really think what separates the winners from the losers is how do you keep going when it's not any fun? 
Let me tell you something. I want and I want him to understand this and everyone to understand this. Those are most days. <laughs> <laughs> Those were most days, man. Just you know, being sore and and just getting in at 3 a.m. and now you gotta be at back at the gym at eleven. And 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 I got a lift today and I have to get in the cold tub. Oh my god. <laughs> and I have to, to get this treatment like, nah, I would rather be on the beach. <laughs> I'm in Miami. I want to go to the beach with my wife and I want to have just the biggest burger you've ever seen. That would be so fun. But, you know, it's just not the reality. I, I was on a pursuit uh, for a championship, pursuit for greatness. And, you know, on those days, I would always think like, yo, who's not getting up right now? Yeah, it was never really a question with me. Yeah, of course, I wanted to just kick back and chill, maybe even just for an hour. But, uh, you know, uh, I got to get up. I have to get up because I said this season, you know, I, I made this pack with myself and I'm sticking to it. I said I would be at the gym an hour and a half before practice. So that means I, I could get my weights done and I'm loose I'm going to get up a few shots, work on my game a little bit before we start practice. I'm loose. Let's go. You know, those were the commitments I made to myself. So on those hard days, it's like, you know, it's, it's just it's just hard. You, but you got to go forward. You got to put one foot in front of another and you got to get in the gym. That was my attitude. There, there's a great viral video of Kobe where he's saying, like, when you feel that voice inside your head, it's like, hey, maybe I'll only do two miles instead of three. Maybe I'll, he's like, you got to tell yourself the negotiations already been 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 made like it's over this was already decided right. it's not up for discussion whether you're yeah. going to practice or not today yeah oh, i'm i'm gonna just no nah, i'm gonna just let me let me do this thing right quick cuz yo come on cuz you've been working really hard no 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 you said that you were going to do this and that's where the real discipline comes in that's where i think the greatness is really defined because we're all going to go through those emotions right Yep. We're going to feel that you're, you're human, you know, what separates you from everyone else. And I tried to remember that anytime I remember one, one time I was like, I was so tired from practice. I couldn't move. I was sore. I woke up. I said, yo, it's no, it's in the Miami day. That's, it's no way I'm practicing today. And <laughs> I told my wife, I said, I'm not going to the gym. I was just like, I was kind of over it. And she said, but we're supposed to win a championship this year. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, we are. And I got up and that was a great practice that we had, a phenomenal practice. And even though I thought I couldn't move, I got the body going, got loose. Boom, we had a great practice. And, you know, we were able to continue our quest. So Logan in Virginia is asking about dealing with pressure. You know, how do you mm -hmm. deal with, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a big game or whether it's a big meeting or, you know, it's any sort of public, uh, you know, life happens in public. How do you deal with high stakes situations? Do you, do you just get used to it or do you have any specific strategies that you would think about? I mean, you just, you get used to it. Um, you have to, it's good to acknowledge what's at stake. It's good to know that, but um, I always, I always have faith in my preparation. If you're prepared, you know, you, you know, you have no choice but to rise to the occasion, you know, because that moment of truth is going to come and you just have to be ready for it. You have to seek it. Actually, you have to want it because it's going to come and, you know, you might only get one shot at it, but that's not the point, you know, just playing those, visualizing those moments over and over in your mind. If you're, you know, on a you know football team, how you're going to catch the ball, see yourself catching the ball first and doing your mechanics, work on them in the real, actual, physical world, <laughs> right? And be realistic with yourself. I have worked on this hard. I'm ready. I'm confident because of my work. Um, you'll be ready for any moment that was thrown at you and approach and approach that moment with confidence. That's, that's what I always did. You know, um, People would ask me, well, how do you hit the big shots? Well, I'd be surprised if I missed it. That's my attitude. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you're if not. You think it's you know regular, you're gonna yeah. hit that. You know you're gonna hit that that shot because even mm. on the days that you didn't want to go to practice, you went to practice and you hit that shot over and over and over again. It has been a form of my repetition. Yeah, this is not the first time I'm doing it. This is not the first time I'm visualizing it. This is pretty much another rep on the board, and I'll live with the uh, with the con, you know, with, with what happens, with the consequences. You know, it's uh, it's just all a part of the sport um, or the business, and just understanding that, and just going after for what you want to go after. So let me ask you about that confidence, because that's something I, I'm both in awe of and and try to think about in my own life. You know, let's say the game is on the line. Uh, you know, you're 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 part of the big three, so there's at least two other guys who can hit that shot, right? Um, there's, I think there's a part of us or lesser nature that wants to go like, let's let LeBron take this. Let's, let's let the, uh, you know, Wade take this. Then there's the ego part of us. It's like, I should get it. How do you like, how do you sort of confidently want to take it on your shoulders and be like, I want the success or failure of this game. I want it in my lap and I want to own the consequences if I miss it. How, how, like, how do you get to a place where you, you call for the ball in that, 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 that moment? It, it has to be a process of the team. If you have never called for the ball, you know, it, it yeah. has to be a repetition of the team. You, you stating this story made me think of, of something. We, we play one game, um, one um, day against Denver. It was a Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon. I have 40 points. And uh, this was in the back-to-back year, so we had Ray Allen. And it was like, I think, a tie game, or we were down to some sort of situation like that last-second-shot yeah. situation. I've got 40 points. I assumed a little bit, you know, that I would get the ball. Spo drew up something different. Had LeBron, he drew up a play, um, a cross-screen to a high-screen and roll. Have LeBron attacking, you know, going downhill to the rim. I'm not going to lie. I got kind of tight, just a little bit like, oh, man. But it's like, okay, let's run the play. Not only did we tie the game, but we went ahead because Ray hit a three (laughs) and one. Yeah. So if I would have, you know, that was an early lesson for me because if I would have been like, no, 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 I need the ball and misinterpreted that, you know, you still have to let the coach coach. Sure. You know, and and if you have never, if your team does not practice, if you don't practice those situations of you being in that situation to make that decision, then, you know, you're being unrealistic. You have to, it has to be a part of the team repetition. Right. It's like um, sometimes the confidence is, no, 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 I'll take the heat. Give me the ball. I'll put the team on my back and take this shot. But sometimes the confidence is, I'll let somebody else take it. There's the famous Scottie Pippen moment where he struggles to let somebody else. He struggled with the exact scenario you were in. And, 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 and and maybe that's a confidence (laughs) issue as well to be able to be like, I'm good. I'll let, I'll let somebody else take it as long as we win. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to deal with. And I mean, in, in, in referring to Scotty and that story, I mean, the, the crazy part was that Tony Kukoc hits the shot. Yes. And then now it looks really bad. <laughs> so the crapshoot, you, you snake eyes, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's a tough thing to get over because we want to be the hero. We want to get that last shot. We want to to do that. But, you know, when I when I got to Miami, as I understood our role, I understood like, hey, that's not to say I won't hit last second shots because I hit plenty of them. It's just my role to have my hands ready get this guy the ball, get him open. And if he comes downhill, I know I have trust and faith that we've done this before. He will pass it to me and I will knock it down because he knows I'll knock it down. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I've practiced this over and over. Um, this is a realistic situation that we've seen over and over. So we're prepared. So Logan, uh, in very far away El Paso, Texas, uh, <laughs> you and I are both talking uh, from Austin, but he's asking, when did you feel like you made it? Or is is that a myth? Okay. Like, do you do it? I know as a writer, you never really feel like you made it. You always feel like you're almost there or somebody's right above you. 
is is it different in the NBA where it's like once you're in the league, you're in the league, or or is there always an insecurity there, like that uh, you never have quite arrived? Oh yeah, there's that that insecurity. You you know, there's an insecurity when you're 19 and you're guarding Rasheed Wallace in the post, and there's nothing you can do. <laughs> you know, it's like he's the biggest, strongest man I've ever seen, and we're sitting here playing basketball <laughs> and they're picking on me they know it my coach we're, we're I'm playing 35 minutes a game 82 games out there oh my gosh there was always that next level for me I never I never felt like I made it because there was always work to be done I would say the closest feeling to that was knowing that I had potential to make the NBA and it was from that conversation with coach Hill when he was asking me uh what do I want to do with these things? And it was uh, another instance when I was at the ABCD camp and I, you know, I, it was an all American camp back in the day, um, sponsored by Adidas, you know, big, huge camp, all the top talent is there. That's where I met LeBron and Carmelo, uh, best players in the nation are there. And I wasn't really even thinking about anything but playing. And I ended up getting like fifth, they ranked all the players and I got like fifth and I was like, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I can do this. That that would be like the closest feeling, but you never really feel like you make it. Yeah. I mean, that's um that's like uh that's a concept like retiring, right? What is making it? <laughs> no, it's it's tough, right? Because on the one hand, sometimes it can be really reassuring that like people who know their who know their stuff, they're like, This kid's good, he's got it. Like I I felt yeah. that early in my career. You know, I didn't really know any writers. My parents weren't writers. I didn't have any sense that it was like preordained that I'd be able to do this. So when other talented people were starting to say like, you got something here, that was really reassuring. Yeah. But for every Absolutely. one of us that there is, there's also the person that everyone doubted, that everyone said was too small, too slow. You, you can't just trust what other people think because sometimes they're wrong. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And you, you, that's why, you know, like finding your why. I, you have to find that why and be like, no, nah, I'd be doing this anyway. I'd be doing it for free. Yeah. So this is a part of my practice. This is what I would be doing anyway. And I'm not going to stop. I'm going to continue to get better. And, you know, it's not about the end result because that's the magic trick, right? When I won an NBA championship, it was like, oh, we got to win another one. Yeah. You win another one. Oh, you got to win another one. We lose, then it's like, oh, free agency, boom, fresh new team, yeah. new year, revamp it. And it's like, wow, this this is crazy. It continues to go. It's just you have to, you know, you have to be more of a student of what you want to do and what you want to put your time into and, and understand, like, you don't have to see. It's about the joy and the happiness that you get out of it as opposed to trying to get results all the time. Yeah, Marco Morris from Atlanta has a question similar to something I heard uh, when I interviewed uh, Martellus Bennett a few years ago. He was saying that uh, he wishes that there were all sorts of scouts who saw, hey, you're big, you're strong, we want you to play football, and they 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 put him through the system and he ends up you know, an, an NFL uh, Super Bowl champion. But he's like, I wish there had also been that system that was like, hey, you're good at drawing. I'm going to make you the best right. illustrator in the world. So how do you think about education, sort of developing other skills versus just, you know, a young athlete specializing in becoming a better athlete? That's a tough one. And it does require balance. And I can't, <laughs> I put a tremendous amount of hours into basketball, right? Um, so I can't tell someone not to put a lot of time into something, but with that said, like I was telling you earlier, I was in the robotics club. Like, you know, my first job was at Blockbuster. I was always watching movies, you know, for those who know what Blockbuster <laughs> was back in the day, it was everything. Yeah. It was, I had the best job in the world, you know, and, <laughs> and I was watching movies and, you know, I, I always loved writing stuff and, and, you know, just, just just creating things and that was one of one of the things I really just I just enjoyed I don't know why I did them but you know I understood how a lack of resources can really hold um, a potential young prodigy back 
yes. <laughs> you know, that was like um, such an interesting experience for me. And, you know, I was telling that story about the robotics club. I remember like we went to the, we went to a competition <laughs> and <laughs> we put together this little cruddy machine. It's only so much. We're like a little small team out the hood. It's like a couple guys, you know, helping us out, volunteering. We put together this machine. We barely get it together. And there's like this private middle school that's just kicking our butt. I mean, they have this incredible machine and it's like, well, man, what do you, what, I mean, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. We do not have the resources and all those things. So, you know, I just say that to say that, man, you know, access to education, those things are, man, that's everything. Um, I, I think that's one of the most important things in our society right now, because I'm a product of that, you know, and like I said before, I'm lucky that I had basketball. What about that kid that just has a knack for sewing and could just be the next fashion designer, but, you know, doesn't have anything around to even, they don't even know it. <laughs> but they don't I, even I know think, that it's dormant in them. <laughs> I think it's, it's worth saying though, that all the attributes that we know make someone a successful athlete besides genetics, right? You know, dedication, commitment, mm -hmm. practice, seeking out mentors, you know, putting ego aside, following what gets you excited. Those are skills, mm -hmm. those are attributes that if applied to sewing, to illustration, to business, to uh, marketing, you know, whatever, th that will get you somewhere. It might not get you to the NBA uh, or, or right. the NBA equivalent <laughs> level because, you know, hey, there there isn't a, uh, a sewing, you know, NBA, uh, but, but there right. is a way to be great at whatever you're doing. And it requires the same sort of attributes that you talk about in the book. You got to treat yourself like an athlete, mm -hmm. even if you're not pursuing athletics. Absolutely. And, you know, you saying that made me think of, uh, you know, I've known some players in my career to have an opportunity to go over and overseas and play and they turn it down. Because, because it's not because the their NBA. Ego, right. Their ego and their pride was so hurt that they just said, well, I'm not going to play. If I can't play in the NBA, then it's just not worth my time. And that's not enough money. You're getting paid the most money you'll ever make, really, and to play basketball, to do right. the thing you love. You're missing out on an experience. And I've seen so many other um, players capitalize, so many other men and women to have these great stories and and make families. I have a, you know, buddies in Israel, but he just moved to Germany. <laughs> he found a woman of his dreams and he didn't come back. You know, how crazy is that? They, you know, on these potential experiences that, you know, that were missed out on. So in, in that equivalent, you know, I just, I just recognize that in other mediums, right? And I understand that, you know, you may, have the big dream and you shoot for it. But that, if you don't get it, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's a waste and it's just something that you shouldn't have done. You know, you can still live out your dream because you're doing what you love. And that I think is the dream. Got a quick message from one of our sponsors here and then we'll get right back to the show. Stay tuned. When you're hiring for your small business, you wanna find quality professionals that are right for the job. In fact, we were just hiring for Daily Stoic and we found our new podcast editor on LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Over 2.5 small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring like we do, as I was just saying, because LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, sometimes even faster than that. You can hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash stoic. That's linkedin.com slash stoic to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
I'm just about to go into the studio to record my latest audiobook. My wife and I have been listening to audiobooks. We've been listening to audiobooks in the car as a family just to keep our kids off screens because Audible is amazing. And Audible is also the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases and next to listen recommendations to satisfy every type of thriller listener. If you want breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that will enthrall you, even brand new and exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors with and you want to check out Audible. My wife and I were just raving about this true crime audiobook that we read called Furious Hours. And then I've been raving about this book, Night of the Grizzlies, which I loved. Audio peaks the imagination and it brings thrillers to life. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Visit audible.com slash daily stoic or text daily stoic to 500 500. That's audible.com slash daily stoic or text daily stoic to 500 500. Yeah, it's, uh, I think you talk about in Duty EB briefly in the book. That was one of those guys that yeah. was super talented and you played yeah. against him young, but he didn't want to go overseas at first or or he didn't want to go in, in I think, the G, League. the G League, but then ended up yeah. having to go overseas. But there's nothing wrong with, with developing, with needing, like you happen to be a one and done player, but if you if you needed two more years in college, like, you needed two more years in college. It's, there's, it's not good or bad. It just is what you yeah. specifically need to develop. Yeah, nah. We. It's interesting you bring him up. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was one of those players, amazing talent coming out of high school, um, and even in that decision, sometimes you can rush it. I mean, did he rush it or not? I mean, he still got drafted. He still had the opportunity, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you're in a position where you have to develop, I mean, it is what it is. I have had other friends to turn down opportunities um, to a division one college because they said they didn't want a red shirt. So not red shirt. Then they just don't even go to college. That doesn't even make any sense. You know, and, you know, everybody's work is different. Everybody's path is different. We just have to accept our path and, and there's no avoiding. You can't cheat the game. That's, that's like one of my favorite sayings. You can't cheat the game. You can't you cheat yourself though, in. right? You can oh what every day <laughs> you can cheat yourself every day and then believe that oh I'm good the game is gonna be like nah <laughs> you're not good bro and and it's just gonna you know it's gonna play itself out you can't cheat yourself but yeah you definitely can't cheat the game. Um, someone was asking about uh, mentor figures in your life that that you weren't related to. Is there anyone that stands out to you as as someone who really? Uh really taught you um off the top of my head uh michael curry um Derek martin and sam mitchell um michael curry a lot of people probably don't don't know who he is but he played in the nba for some years uh, a lot of years with detroit and you know in putting the team together he was like the veteran leader and he pretty much took me under his wing i write about it in the book actually and um he took me under his wing and I mean, we worked, he worked me. He challenged me every day. He, he wouldn't allow me to do certain things. Like even like putting a towel on my head during the game, man, get that towel off your head, man. Watch the game. Come on. You know, Hey, we, we, we've got shoot around. Let's get there an hour early. Let's get up shots. And then I started seeing success right away. Um, and you know, he taught me how to work in the league. Uh, Derek Martin, he, he, he eventually came to the team and, um, you know, in, in my latter years, um, I guess you could say my prime years in Toronto. Um, and he was, you know, he was like that figure to keep it real with me. And he always inspired me to push myself to do better and perform in the game and, and have that attitude of performing 82, attempting to perform 82 games a year. Um, and, you know, he, he was an ultimate team guy. He was the guy putting the dinners together. He showed me how, the power, how powerful a team could be, a team full of friends. You know, he, he showed me how, you know, to go to restaurants, talk nice. <laughs> he was definitely uh, one of those best that did that for me when I was a young fella. And Sam Mitchell, uh, he was my coach in Toronto, uh, my second coach. And I think, yeah, my longest tenure coach, I think five years uh, we were together. But uh, he had coached my idol, uh, KG, Kevin Garnett. He was his veteran in Minnesota, and now he was a head coach. So 
you know, we had so many conversations. I was like the little kid just tugging at his shirt. What was KG like? What was KG like? Well, what did KG do? You know? <laughs> and yeah, he helped me tremendously just by the same thing, doing the same thing, holding me accountable, pushing me, saying, no, you're a leader. You need to do this. And you're not too young. You're not too skinny. You're not too inexperienced. You need to do it now. You need to lead this team. He pushed me to do those things. And, you know, I remember those lessons um, to this day. So, yeah, those are those are the three that I think of league-wise, you know. Speaking of Toronto, someone's asking, do you, given uh, the arc of your career, do you identify more as a Raptor or as a member of the Heat? Like, when you, when you think about Chris Bosh as an NBA player, what jersey do you have on? And, you know, that's a tough question. I wouldn't want to, you know, just separate. I can't say you can't separate it. You know, it's just what year? <laughs> Which year you want to go to? You know, pick a year. I got, I'll tell you which jersey I'm wearing. You know, it's, I identify with both. You know, they're both a part of the journey. I was there for equal amount of years. Um, you know, so I always saw both as a home. Um, you know, the fans treated me incredibly well. Um, I had tremendous times in both in both places, of course, you know, not the championship aspirations, but just in Toronto, but just the love from the city and being a young man trying to figure it out and, you know, the, the, the city backing you and you know, there's something special here and you want everybody else to know, but they just don't get it. If they could only see what you see, that's pretty much um, what that was back then. And then, you know, you know, the Miami years, of course, that's like the, the blockbuster, that's the, that's the, that's the Beatles, that's the Heatles on tour. You know, how can you not love that? <laughs> Jennifer Allen is asking, as she's saying, her son is 12. He loves basketball. He wants to know what it's like to be a star player. Like, what is it like to be the guy on a team? Is it, is it something you feel or is it, you're just so in it that it's not something you think about? Uh, no, nah, it's difficult. It's unfair. Um, it's uncomfortable. Um, there is, most people see the glory um, in, in, in the leader when the times are good. No, the leader has to perform when times are hardest. Usually the leader is the first person the coach looks at if the team is lagging. Hey, <laughs> you know, and give them that look. A lot of responsibility. Or her that look. It's a lot of responsibility. So, you know, um, you have to be used to work. You have to want to love what you're doing so much that you'll put that work in and you won't mind if if the coach tells you to do something for, you know, to make the team better. I think that's uh, that's important to take. And, you know, yeah, there will be fun moments, but you only get fun moments if you put the work in. It's a reason why you feel so happy. Right. It's a reason you know, we said it's, it's, um, it's said in the book is the reason why people are so happy when that thing happens. It's like, ah, cause you did not think that would happen. You know, <laughs> you have to work for that feeling. It just doesn't happen. You have to put everything into it and believe and believe and get knocked down and get back up again and get knocked down however long it takes. And then, you know, that's why you see people being so happy when they accomplish these things in sports. So how do you balance being really driven and dedicated and all in on a pursuit like basketball or whatever it is for a given person and have a healthy, happy personal life? I think that question is, is a little more difficult to answer for student athletes. Sure. Right. Because you have to, you know, there's only, you know, it's 24 hours in a day, but you got to study. You, you got to put class. some stuff on hold. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Something is going to be on hold, right? You got, <laughs> you got practice, which is another hundred hours of whenever. You, you know, when, when you're in, as in a profession, you know, I, I was lucky to be a professional early. I was able to separate it very easily. I think for the student athlete, it's a little, it's a little bit um, more of a challenge. Um, I think you have to really decide what you want. Yeah. What do you want? And that's not to say that you can't go to any dances, okay, but you don't have to go to everyone. 
Like I remember even in my senior year, I went to my homecoming dance. Everybody was like, oh, Chris is out, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's my senior year. I want to experience things. I want to have fun. Um, I'm not saying don't hang out with your friends or don't do these things. It's just, you have to, like I said, you have to decide what you want to do. So you have to make time. And sometimes you're just going to have to say, yeah, I can't do it. I'm going to the gym. Yeah, I was talking you know? to it. I was talking to a young kid uh, <laughs> recently and they were, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like, feeling like I, I don't have a good work, you know, life balance right now. And I was like, you're 21, get used to it. Like, like talk to me in 10 years. If you don't, if you still don't have a good personal life balance, it's going to be a problem. But like, there is a period <laughs> where to do a thing at the highest level in the world, it requires a certain level of unbalancedness yeah for sure and it's like bro you're 21 work yeah <laughs> that's that's the hit good yeah good wonderful yeah. wonderful you're you're doing a good job hey that's the first that's the first test good job yeah right you're so mad and frustrated you brought it up that's what i'm talking <laughs> about all right <laughs> um but and the irony is it's like you have to be unbalanced early but then as you get older and i've been lucky enough to meet your wife is that you need that balance, whatever kind of relationship it is, whatever your lifestyle mm -hmm. is. But if you're doing this by yourself, for yourself, with nobody to even you out, or say like, "Hey, Chris, what the hell?" You know, uh, you'll right. you'll split you'll spin off the planet. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to have that allotted time for work. That's uh, you know, when you're done, you're done. Yeah, you go and you be present doing something else. And that was um. That has been a huge exercise for me, um, especially in this, you know, pandemic situation that we've been in. You know, I have five children. You know, it's only so much space in the house. <laughs> we had to we had to learn how to coexist. We had to learn how to give each other space. We had to learn how to spend time and have these allotted moments to say, OK, you know, I'll be doing something. I want to do something, Dad. Yo, come on, let's go. I know. It's movie night. Ah, all right, come on, let's go. Right then and there, let's sure. go. Or if my son or daughter, they want to show me something and I'm writing and trying to figure this thing out. And it's right at that moment where I'm going to just want to just hit my head on the computer, you know. And, and what do we usually do? We'll dig in deeper, mm -hmm. right? We'll say, no, I got to put in more hours. You know, my my kids, my wife, hey, I want I want to go on a date. I'm uh, Here's the... <laughs> <laughs> here's the restaurant we're going to, babe. Like, okay, all right, cool. I've, I'm working on training myself to be like, okay, and accept those situations because it will make them happy. It will make me happy. I need to get out of here because it is not working today, obviously. And so, and, and I put the work in today. I put in my hours. Let, let me go decompress or get my, do something else or go into my hobbies, but you can't just you know, keep banging your head against the wall, you know, it's continuously thinking something's going to come out. You do have to figure out that balance. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, as we wrap up, I, I, I had one last question for you. So, and I think about this when I think about a younger version of myself, if you were to talk to Chris, uh, maybe just starting college, just starting in the NBA, some earlier version of yourself, you could tell him one thing other than read this book. Like what's the big thing What's the big lesson, the one lesson from the book, from your experience that you would want to tell a younger version of yourself as an athlete? Oh, I would just say, I would keep it simple. I would say, keep going and never stop. You know, keep going and never stop. Um, that young person knows what they want to do. Um, they Not to say what's behind the, right, what's in the rabbit hole, but he knows he wants to go down that rabbit hole. And I cannot change the story, right? The story is the story. It's, it's, it's the good, the bad, and everything in between. But it ends up being good, you know, because I'm writing the story, right? <laughs> and, you know, it, 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 you, you can't sugarcoat those, those life, those real life situations, however they come. You can't, there's no way around that. But um, if that person continues to work and they don't stop, like I know I did not, you know, you can become a champion. And, 
you know, you can become, you know, a wonderful father and, you know, aspiring writer and <laughs> all these new things you don't even know that could be possible for yourself if, if you just keep going. And I implore everyone watching this to do that same thing, you know, keep going I saw you, and never stop. I saw you sign a book to a, a kid on last Tuesday and you just said, uh, do the work, which is, even yeah. a, I think, the same thing you're saying. You got to you got to put in the work. And uh, it'll, it'll happen or it'll or it won't. But you, yeah. you got to do the work either way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Live in it, man. <laughs> well, dude, it was amazing to talk again. The book is fantastic. Uh, everyone should get their signed copies in roughly eight to 10 business days. Uh, tell a friend letters to a young athlete. Give copies away. Uh, graduation is here. I think this book makes a great graduation present. Chris, it's an honor. Hope to see you in person again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Good to see you, bro. See ya. Thanks for listening. We just crossed more than 50 million downloads with the Daily Stoke podcast. Thanks to you. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share it with your friends. Send an episode you liked. If you liked today's episode, send it to someone you know. We're always trying to reach more people, and we appreciate it. Thank you for helping us keep the lights on here at Daily Stoic. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to The Daily Stoic early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Do you want to hear about the $100 wedding dress that just saved Abercrombie? Or the tech acquisition that was just like Game of Thrones? Or the one financial equation that can solve climate change? Then check out our daily podcast, The Best One Yet, or as we call it, T-Boy. This is Nick. This is Jack. And we pick the three most interesting business news stories every day for the perfect mix. 20 minutes each morning, you're going to feel brighter. We call it pop biz, don't we, Jack? Where pop culture meets business news. So whether you want to kick off a conversation with your buddies, or you're going for that promotion at work, or you just want to know the trends before your friends, feel brighter by starting your morning with us every weekday. Listen to the best one yet on the Wondery app or wherever you get your pods. You can listen to the best one yet ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. For more deep dive and daily business content, listen on Wondery, the destination for business podcasts. With shows like The Best One Yet, How I Built This, and many more, Wondery means business. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.